Good Sunday morning, Rashini with you, along with Dr. David Hilden. And uh, it is everyone's favorite open lines today on Healthy Matters. Give us a text with your questions, 651-989-9226. Dr. Hilden answers a lot of things, uh, medical and non-medical. A lot of things get thrown at you, Dr. Hilden. It does indeed. Good morning, Rashini. Yeah, I can't. I can't even hardly think of the the breadth of the topics we've discussed since we started this show in two thousand and nine. Uh, and uh, so, keep them coming, listeners. Uh, see what you got for me this morning. I have poured myself a nice big cup of Kona Joe's coffee, and I'm ready to go. I'm sorry we're not with you in person at the state fair. Best wishes to everybody who's out at the fair today. We're gonna. We're gonna. Uh, not do it this year from the fair, but uh, that's okay. We're going to talk to all of you anyway over the airwaves here. And if you're out at the fair, have a mini donut for me. And um, and uh, if you happen to be near the food building, the best 20 square feet of the Minnesota State Fairgrounds is Danielson's and Daughter's Onion Rings. And no, they didn't pay me to say that. I probably shouldn't talk about an individual business, but go ahead. Get the onion rings. I hope you're having a good time at the fair, and I hope you're staying safe. If you're in the buildings, please do mask up. And if you're outside in massive crowds, I would I'd mask up there too. But otherwise, just enjoy. It's supposed to be, I think, a really nice day at the fair today. Do- Dr. Hilliard, I'm glad you mentioned onion rings. I did not know about that stand, and onion rings are one of my favorite foods on earth. These are amazing. In fact, they're not really rings. They're, they're onion fragments and stuff. And I don't know what <laughs> they do on the batter, but... Holy cow, I've been doing – even growing up, I ate these, and I wasn't a big onion kid. But I, I think they've been there for for some decades. It's sort of kind of by where the – sort of kind of. How's that from Minnesota thing to say? By by one end of the sky ride, the end by the Space Needle, over at that end of the fairgrounds, right, right up next to the food building, but outside the food building. Just a little stand, Danielson's and Daughter's. Uh, and I don't know any of the Danielson's. I don't even know if his daughters are there, but they've got great onion rings. No, that sounds great. And actually, if people are at the fair today, you can listen to us, even though we're not at the fair, and text us your questions, 651-989-9226 on this Open Line Sunday on Healthy Matters, powered by Hennepin Healthcare. Dr. Hilden gets a lot of questions, and you've really seen it all, heard it all over these 13 years of doing this show, but you've also seen it all, heard it all uh, in your medical practice. Now, does Anything surprise you these days, Dr. Hilden, when patients show up? You know, it really doesn't anymore. You'd be, uh, most, there, I have some things, I was, I had a couple of friends over last night. We were having some nice Thai food and, and, uh, and we were talking about, uh, the guy and I were talking about some of the weird things we've seen. He used to work at the state hospital in St. Peter and I, of course, work at HCMC and we were talking about our, our various things that the human body can and does do. And we were we were laughing and our two spouses were like, okay, this is like not normal conversation. Uh, yes, I have seen nearly everything. And um, it just goes to show whatever you have, whatever your medical condition is, whatever weird thing you've got on your skin or any of the question that you might have, it's okay. Somebody else has had it. It's just part of being human. And so we do see all kinds of weird things. And sometimes not so weird things, but you, you, uh, whatever you have, it's okay. It's just who you are. One of the things that we've been talking about among our family, because our daughters are, are in town and both of them coming from out west, one in the 
uh, Sacramento area. And then, of course, the latest news with the Boundary Waters and the wildfires. So wildfires have been a real hot topic for our family this past week. Any medical advice when it comes to this kind of air, whether it's happening in Minnesota or as people go out west? Yeah, the, the, it is. So, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of this, but the smoky air is problematic for, pe- for some people. Now, we had some of those smoky air days a few weeks ago that were problematic for everybody. It was so bad that everybody should be um, be careful because you're literally like standing in the middle of a campfire and breathing that in. That's not good for anyone's lungs. But in general, when the air quality isn't so good, it's particularly hard for people with airway or lung diseases such as asthma or emphysema, otherwise known as COPD, or if people have bad other respiratory or heart problems, heart failure, um, bad lung cancer. Your lungs and your heart work in conjunction with each other uh, to obviously get oxygen into your body and carbon dioxide out of your body, and it does so quite efficiently. But if your lungs are already compromised because they have an airway disease, uh, such as emphysema or asthma, the smoke irritates the heck out of your airways and makes it even worse. So those folks should literally stay inside when the air quality is bad, and all people should avoid real heavy exercise uh, when air quality is bad. I, I actually took to checking the air quality during those uh, wildfire smoky days that we had recently. Well, that's not surprising. I mean, it, it's actually pretty scary. I can only imagine what people are dealing with out west and in that really heavily hit part uh, nearer and in the Boundary Waters. All right, the texts are just streaming in. Keep them going, folks. 651-989-9226. This is an open line show on Healthy Matters. We'll take a break, and then Dr. Hilden and I will be back. Okay, guys, let's do some dancing. Let's show me my moves. Oh, my God, it's on your reach. All right, this is a new one for us. Dr. Holy Hilden. cow, I'm not that awake yet. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't. Where does Devin pull these things out of? I mean, he is a musical genius. Uh, that one, folks, on Healthy Matters this Sunday morning is to wake you up and to remind you it's Open Line Sunday here with Dr. Hilden and me, Rashini Rajkumara. Send us your text, 651 989. 9226. Okay, lots of texts coming in, doctor. Uh, let's get to this one. I have been on hydralazine, I don't know, hydralazine, I don't know how to say it, for heart failure and high blood pressure for a few years. Is this help for both? So I'm going to have you read it to me again. They're on hydralazine for heart failure and what? High blood pressure. Yeah. Um, hydralazine is what's called a vasodilator. Vaso is blood vessel. Dilator makes them bigger, dilates them. And heart failure is a condition where sometimes your blood vessels get constricted and clamped down and they get congested. It's sort of, it's sort of like a plumbing problem, actually. Hydralazine opens up those blood vessels, makes them wider, allows the blood to flow, and ironically allows the blood to flow to your kidneys so you can urinate all that extra fluid. That's sort of how it works in heart failure. And because they're also dilating your blood vessels and relaxing those blood vessels, it helps your blood pressure. It generally drops your blood pressure. It is, um, they are very useful for both those conditions. It's not often the very first drug we use for either of those conditions. So you're probably on something else as well if you're on hydralazine, but they are, they are effective. Uh, not the first one we'd use, but you're, if your doctor has you on hydralazine for blood pressure or heart failure, though, that's a good drug. 
All right, this texture says I was diagnosed with carotid artery blockage, 60% on the right, 70% on the left. MRA scheduled for tomorrow. What are my options? Right, your carotid arteries are the two, two of the big four blood vessels that go to your brain in your neck. There's two in the back, the vertebral arteries, and two in the front, the carotid arteries. And you can feel it. If you put your index and your middle finger over your left or the right side of the front of your neck, you can feel it. That's that big pulse there. If, since there's only those four big blood vessels to your brain, you really don't want them to be blocked up, do you? Now, if you have stenosis or narrowing of those arteries, the blood supply can get compromised to the brain. I would say that 60 and 40% are not very high numbers. It sounds high, but it's not. Uh, it's something to know about. In other words, keep your blood pressure under control, keep your cholesterol under control, but to fix them, they have to do a procedure that's quite invasive. It can be done by a radiologist, it can be done by a neurologist with an N, or it can be done by a surgeon. There are ways to open up those blood vessels, but let's be honest, you don't want someone messing around with one of the four blood vessels to your brain unless they have to. And so we generally reserve those invasive treatments for when it's quite severe. And so just I would undergo the, or undergo the, proceed, or the testing but then have a really good, honest conversation with your doctors about your next options because uh, they, they do carry some risk, and you only want to do it if it is um, necessary. All right, lots of great questions coming in. This is kind of a scary one. Woke up last night, stood up, but couldn't walk forward. Woke husband who walked me into the bathroom. He helped afterwards, but it was much improved, and I think I could have done it alone. Question, whom do I see? A neurologist, an ENT, primary, or can I ignore it if it is just one episode? I agree with you, Rashini. That's a wee bit um, concerning, that, that, that whole story. So my first thing I would do is if you are, if that is happening to you, I would uh, go to an emergency department. If you can't walk suddenly, you could be having a stroke. Now, fortunately, it got better which a stroke is by definition, your symptoms don't get better. But you could have had a TIA, a mini stroke. You could have had, you could have had just something in non-stroke. You could have had an inner ear problem. So if that occurs, new weakness, new trouble walking, new vo vocal problems, speech problems, go to an emergency mark. Call 911 actually. But since it got better, now I think you're okay to take a little time and figure out what you had. And I would go to your primary doctor. I would call them and have them do an initial evaluation and see what you have. But I got to repeat, if those symptoms return, don't be waiting around for a clinic visit. You go to an emergency department. All right. If you have questions for Dr. Hilden, 651-989-9226. What are your thoughts on the Exogen Ultrasound Bone Healing System sent to me through my orthopedic surgeon for a broken heel? Boy, I'm going to punt because I'm not a, I'm not familiar enough with that to say. So uh, I am... Oh, what do I want to say? I don't want to say skeptical. I, I just want to make sure that we're only doing things that are at least have our best science behind them. And it might have really good science behind it. I'm just um, ignorant about that. I, I don't know enough about that um, that device, that system. There are ultrasound types of uh, treatment modalities for musculoskeletal conditions, but I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry, I can't answer that with any more detail than that. All right. This person asks, will there be a flu shot available this year? I haven't heard of anything yet. Yeah, there sure will be. In fact, I would get it uh, at the usual time in September or October. 
flu season was a non-issue last year for one reason. We, we all had our masks on and nobody was coming within a mile of each other. So nobody got the flu. It just goes, and nobody, even colds were less. Everything was less. It just goes to show that, wow, we pass things on to each other routinely as living in a community of humans. Haven't you uh, said like humans are dirty? <laughs> They are. It's just like I'm <laughs> <Or Jeremy. laughs> Yeah, nobody's getting colds even or anything. It's it's incredible. But flu is out there. Get your flu shot. You don't want that on top of COVID. Unfortunately, last year we didn't. So, uh, yes, get your flu shot. All right. I want to remind people to look at Dr. Hilden's Twitter page, at Dr. David Hilden. Uh, give him a follow. But also look at the great pictures he posted from past years at the fair. Some great shots you've been posting all weekend. I love them. Yeah, what do you think? It's got uh, some years past. Some of my physician colleagues showed up at the state fair show with my face on a stick. Yeah, that's it, my favorite picture by far. I'm going to save that onto my phone for, for use at a later date. I was doing live radio. I mean, we were. I was trying to answer some question about hearts or lungs or something, and a bunch of people walked up with my face on a stick, and I about choked. <laughs> if there's a big face I want to see, Dr. Hilden, it's yours. Uh, <laughs> and on a stick, even better. All right, let's get in one more before we have to go to break. Uh, is Kratom, K-R-A-T-O-M, Safe for pain management and energy. Um, I'm. It, this is an herbal supplement that I know relatively little about, but my, I believe that this one is not effective and, frankly, probably not safe. Uh, uh, there are many, many herbal supplements that do what they say they're going to do. Most of them are plenty safe. They don't have a, as much science behind them as some of the other things we do, but that doesn't mean they're not okay. Many things are okay. They've been used for thousands of years, and they might actually help. This isn't among them. I would not take that medication. Everything I know is that it is potentially not safe and really probably doesn't help anyway. All right. Kind of related. Let's squeeze this one in. Dr. Hilden, do homeopathic treatments for COVID have any effect? No. All right. Is that well, a good we, answer? We, we got that in <laughs> well in the nick of time there. All right. We, <laughs> we have to take a break. Our, our text line, 651-989-9226. We'll be right back. We are back on Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden and Rashini Rajkumar, we are taking your texts. We've got a lot of questions coming in, so get them in now so we can get to you before we have to say goodbye. 651 989 9226. All right, Dr. Hilden, I do have to follow up because I don't think you've ever given a one word answer before to that homeopathic treatment question for COVID. Yeah, thanks. I don't usually just give a one word answer in general, you know, because nothing's so simple in, in life. But, uh, but that was my first response to the homeopathic things work for COVID, and they don't. Uh, homeopathy is a, is a branch of, of healing. Uh, that's relatively controversial, although it's not particularly controversial in the medical community. It doesn't work. Many um, integrative and alternative uh, treatments do work. In fact, our hospital has an exceptionally good integrative medicine department. It's a large um, academic-based department. There are loads of things that do work that are not in traditional allopathic Western medicine. Many things work. Homeopathy is probably not one of them. And and as for COVID, it does not work. So for COVID, no. But you know, uh, even for everything else, it's pretty pretty much on the on the outskirts of of modern medical thought. Let's just put it that way. All right, lots of uh, COVID and booster questions. So let's get into some of those. 
This listener says, if I had problems with J&J, would it be a good idea for my booster to be Pfizer or, or Moderna? It probably wouldn't matter, but it's not recommended. Uh, uh, right now, we're still saying get the shot, the initial one you got. But I think you're going to be hearing a lot of that thought and that guideline evolve over the months. It'll probably be just fine when the boosters are out. And I think we'll have more information when boosters do come out. And so it'll probably be okay for you to get any of them. But right now, we're still recommending get the one you got before. Little news on J&J. They did a study of the antibody levels after vac- after vaccination. And everybody says, well, I should have got the Moderna or the or the Pfizer one because they're better. Well, the Johnson & Johnson antibody levels were outstanding six months after you got the shot. So if you got the J&J, sleep well. You did a good thing. All right. This person says, I'm 62, have an autoimmune condition. I got my last dose of Pfizer vaccine in early March. When can I get my booster shot? My daughter is getting married in October, and I'm unsure what my immunity will be at that time. Right. We are giving now. We are giving booster shots to people who are immunocompromised. We're not even really calling them boosters. A booster is if you got the full series of shots, either the one Johnson & Johnson or the two of the other vaccines. A booster is like a third one, an additional one above the recommended ones. And that's what's going to be coming out eight months after you got your last shot. So if you got it in March, your booster would be out uh, in September or October. However, people who are immunocompromised, it's not even really considered a booster because the first two shots maybe didn't have the robust effect that we wanted if your immune system is compromised. So it's really just getting the third shot is sort of just completing the, the primary series. So if you have an immune compromised condition, certainly if you have cancer and you are on treatment, or if you are an immunosuppressant for a rheumatological condition or an autoimmune condition. So if you're on any of those drugs that end in the letters A, B, or IB, the ones that are advertised on TV a lot, you probably have an immune-compromised condition, and you should be getting your third shot, and you, you can get it now. You don't even have to wait. You can get it right now. Dr. Hilden, speaking about the immune system, many people have their adenoids or their tonsils removed, you know, in childhood or at other times. That, those are part of your immune system. Should people be concerned about that when it comes to COVID? That's, a, that's a, a, something I haven't really considered much because uh, the COVID does live in the virus enters in your oronasopharynx, your throat, your mouth, your nose, and that's where your adenoids and tonsils are. And they, they are indeed part of your immune system. So it could be that something we don't yet know that people without their adenoids and tonsils have a little different response to COVID. Like, for instance, they don't fight it in their nose as well. I don't know that to be the case, and I don't know if anyone has studied it. It's fortunate that we're not taking out tonsils and adenoids so much anymore. Geez, they did it for like at the drop of a hat back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And we're leaving them in kids more often now and only taking them out when they're chronically inflamed and infected. So more to come, I guess, something, something to keep, keep, keep your ear out to the, the news about uh, people without tonsils and adenoids. Right now, I wouldn't do anything different. Do, get your vaccines, put your masks on when you're in crowds, and do, do the social distancing thing that we've all come to know and love so much. All right. This person says if we want to take a COVID test after going to the fair, should we do it right when we get home? Or is it better to wait a day or two so that the test is accurate? Three to five days. I would wait three to five. Now, you can do it faster than in the last year. We were telling people to do it five to seven days. Now, if, you're, if you have at all concerned about your exposure to a virus, um, I would do it three to five days. I would encourage people to do it after coming back from the fair. 
Okay, here's another one sounding kind of chronic. A couple weeks after J&J, my fibromyalgia worsened. A couple weeks later, okay, I I was saying it in my head and now I You're doing great, Rashini. Diverticulitis. Say that for us. Diverticulitis. Thank you. Uh, Bout got very bad. A couple weeks later in the hospital with shingles. Should I get a booster when it's available or do Moderna or Pfizer instead? I would do um, any of the boosters that you get your hands on. Um, And I don't think it was probably the vaccine you got that mattered so much, but rather when you get any of the three vaccines, your body has an inflammatory response. It's supposed to. If you don't have any response, then it just didn't do anything. And so most uh, bodies are different. Some people have, have, you know, trigger happy immune responses. And if you already have things like fibromyalgia or, or diverticulitis, you already have some inflammatory condition. Maybe your body's just a little bit more sensitive to things. And so you, maybe you reacted to that vaccine. You didn't get COVID. It didn't give you diverticulitis and it didn't give you fibromyalgia, but it may be, you maybe did have a little flare up. So I would just grin and bear it and get the same, the same shot you got before uh, because I don't think it's going to be much better with the other two. Just get the same one when the booster comes out. If you have questions for Dr. Hilden today, send us a text, 651-989-9226. This listener says, For the past month, my upper arms have periodic itching during the day, especially at night. It itches so much that I could scratch until it bleeds. My skin has very small marks, almost like a rash. I have not made any changes to diet or soaps. Any suggestions? I like that uh, this person is is you know prescient. They're they're already they're already forecasting what my questions are going to be. Do you have new soaps? Do you have new diet? Do you have new linens and your new new bed sheets? If none of the if none of those are true, then it is possible that you have some kind of uh, small little inflammatory skin condition, little folliculitis. You could have some type of allergic thing. They could be uh, just a mild skin sensitivity to heat or or humidity. People even get those. Or it could be something underlying. It could be the manifestation of a nutritional deficiency or maybe your thyroid, maybe your vitamin B12 levels, maybe you're anemic, not enough hemoglobin. So these are easy blood tests. Basically, I would recommend starting with a dermatologist because they are so good at simply looking at your skin and taking you down the right path. Whereas a more general doctor like me, as you can see, I might be doing a little bit of an educated guess. I would go to a dermatologist. Okay, we've got one for you here. Why does it take so long to see a specialist? I have found it takes up to two months. I finally was able to make a virtual appointment with a urologist after a month, which is coming up this week. How does a urologist make an exam via Zoom? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's a How visual do they, I they, really they, don't want to. Yeah, that's one you don't want to think about too much, do you? Uh, the, the, but this is a legitimate point. Why does it take two months to get to a specialist? And I would say that uh, it, it's going to vary. Uh, wherever you go, uh, different healthcare systems. But every healthcare system has one or two of their specialties where they just don't have the the staffing or the the capacity to see a specialist. So, but here's the other thing: you don't always need to. Many things you could see your general doctor first. You'd be shocked at how much they can do without you having to go to a specialist. People think, well, it's in my urinary tract; must see a urologist. Oh no. You know, 90% of things are handled by your primary doctor. But it, let's assume you've already done that and your urologist is, is two months out. Uh, they can do many things by, um, by Zoom virtually. It is not as good 
They can't do exams, obviously. They just can't. But 80% of medical diagnosis it happens um, uh, by the history, by talking. And that's why I can answer questions on the air is because most of the stuff comes from what you tell us. So they might not be able to get all of the diagnosis, but they can maybe get you to the 20-yard line. They can get you to the red zone. They can get you near that touchdown. And maybe it'll be enough for them to make a diagnosis or enough for them to at least schedule your next thing. And maybe that next thing won't be two months out. All right, CJ from Champlin has this question. Do you feel comfortable with a chiropractor for neck pain? I've heard warnings, yet no people who are pro-adjustment for necks. I am actually uh, quite comfortable with chiropractic care. I think it's because I work with such outstanding chiropractors. Dr. Rick Printon has been on this show and has done great work. Now, the good chiropractors I know, including Dr. Printon, he's been practicing for decades, and he knows so much about the musculoskeletal system. And so there are times when a chiropractor can be quite helpful for you. I would suggest, though, that if your chiropractor thinks they're going to cure cancer, they go to a different chiropractor. So the difference is, what are they advertising that they can do? Are they? Is it sound too good to be true? Because then it might be. But there are some conditions. If your chiropractor says, I think I can help you with this, safely help you with this, that's probably true. But if they're giving you all kinds of outlandish things and they want to see you for 35 visits to treat your toenail fungus, you know, they're, they're just sometimes it... It'll seem too good to be true, and maybe it is. But yes, chiropractors do have a role. There are they are some skilled professionals, and uh, so uh, I think it's it's reasonable. Okay, we do have to take a break, and then we'll come back for our last segment. Remember, folks, lots of texts are coming in. We will try to get to all of them in our next segment. Send us your questions, 651-989-9226. Good Sunday morning, Rashini with you, along with Dr. David Hilden. And uh, it is everyone's favorite open lines today on Healthy Matters. Give us a text with your questions, 651-989-9226. Dr. Hilden answers a lot of things, uh, medical and non-medical. A lot of things get thrown at you, Dr. Hilden. It does indeed. <laughs> Good morning, Rashidi. Yeah, I can't, I can't even hardly think of the, the breadth of the topics we've discussed since we started this show in 2009. And uh, uh, so keep them coming, listeners. Uh, see what you got for me this morning. I have poured myself a nice big cup of Kona Joe's coffee, and I'm ready to go. I'm sorry we're not with you in person at the State Fair. Best wishes to everybody who's out at the fair today. We're going we're gonna, to uh, not do it this year from the fair, but uh, that's okay. We're going to talk to all of you anyway over the airwaves here. And if you're out at the fair, have a mini donut for me. And um, and uh, if you happen to be near the food building, the best 20 square feet of the Minnesota State Fairgrounds is Danielson's and Daughter's Onion Rings. And no, they didn't pay me to say that. I probably shouldn't talk about an individual business, but go ahead. Get the onion rings. I hope you're having a good time at the fair, and I hope you're staying safe. If you're in the buildings, please do mask up. And if you're outside in massive crowds, I would I'd mask up there too. But otherwise, just enjoy. It's supposed to be, I think, a really nice day at the fair today. Do- Dr. So- Hilliard, I'm glad you mentioned onion rings. I did not know about that stand, and onion rings are one of my favorite foods on earth. These are amazing. In fact, they're not really rings. They're, they're onion fragments and stuff. And I don't know what <laughs> they do on the batter, but... Holy cow, I've been doing I, Even growing up, I ate these, and I wasn't a big onion kid, but I, I think they've been there for 
for some decades. It's sort of kind of by where the sort of kind of how's that from Minnesota thing to say by by one end of the sky ride, the end by the Space Needle over at that end of the fairgrounds. Right, right up next to the food building, but outside the food building, just a little stand. Danielsons and daughters, uh, and I don't know any of the Danielsons. I don't even know if his daughters are there, but they've got great onion rings. <laughs> no, that sounds great. And actually, if people are at the fair today, you can listen to us, even though we're not at the fair, and text us your questions six five one nine eight nine nine two two six on this open line Sunday on Healthy Matters, powered by Hennepin Healthcare. Dr. Hilden gets a lot of questions, and you've really seen it all, heard it all over these 13 years of doing this show. But you've also seen it all, heard it all uh, in your medical practice. Now, does anything surprise you these days, Dr. Hilden, when patients show up? You know, it really doesn't anymore. You'd be... uh... Most, there, I have some things. I was. I had a couple of friends over last night. We were having some nice Thai food, and and uh, and we were talking about uh, the guy and I were talking about some of the weird things we've seen. He used to work at the state hospital in St. Peter, and I, of course, work at HCMC. And we were talking about our our various things that the human body can and does do. And we were we were laughing, and our two spouses were like, "Okay, this is like not normal conversation." Uh, yes, I have seen nearly everything, and um, it just goes to show whatever you have, whatever your medical condition is, whatever weird thing you've got on your skin, or any of the question that you might have, it's okay. Somebody else has had it. It's just part of being human, and so we do see all kinds of weird things. And sometimes not so weird things, but you, you, uh, whatever you have, it's okay. It's just who you are. One of the things that we've been talking about among our family, because our daughters are, are in town and both of them coming from out west, one in the uh, Sacramento area, and then, of course, the latest news with the Boundary Waters and the wildfires. So wildfires have been a real hot topic for our family this past week. Any medical advice when it comes to this kind of air, whether it's happening in Minnesota or as people go out west? Yeah, the, the, it is. So, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of this, but the smoky air is problematic for, pe- for some people. Now, we had some of those smoky air days a few weeks ago that were problematic for everybody. It was so bad that everybody should be um, be careful because you're literally like standing in the middle of a campfire and breathing that in. That's not good for anyone's lungs. But in general, when the air quality isn't so good, it's particularly hard for people with airway or lung diseases such as asthma or emphysema, otherwise known as COPD, or if people have bad other respiratory or heart problems, heart failure, um, bad lung cancer. Your lungs and your heart work in conjunction with each other uh, to obviously get oxygen into your body and carbon dioxide out of your body, and it does so quite efficiently. But if your lungs are already compromised because they have an airway disease, uh, such as emphysema or asthma, the smoke irritates the heck out of your airways and makes it even worse. So those folks should literally stay inside when the air quality is bad, and all people should avoid real heavy exercise uh, when air quality is bad. I, I actually took to checking the air quality during those uh, wildfire smoky days that we had recently. Well, that's not surprising. I mean, it, it's actually pretty scary. I can only imagine what people are dealing with out west and in that really heavily hit part uh, nearer and in the Boundary Waters. All right, the texts are just streaming in. Keep them going, folks. 651-989-9226. This is an open line show 
on Healthy Matters. We'll take a break, and then Dr. Hilden and I will be back. Okay, guys, let's do some dancing. Let's show me my moves. Oh, my God! It's on your reach! All right, this is a new one for us. Dr. Holy Hilden. cow, I'm not that awake yet. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't. Where does Devin pull these things out of? I mean, he is a musical genius. Uh, that one, folks, on Healthy Matters this Sunday morning is to wake you up and to remind you it's Open Line Sunday here with Dr. Hilden and me, Rashini Rajkumara. Send us your text, 651 989. 9226. Okay, lots of texts coming in, doctor. Uh, let's get to this one. I have been on hydralazine, I don't know, hydralazine, I don't know how to say it, for heart failure and high blood pressure for a few years. Is this help for both? So I'm going to have you read it to me again. They're on hydralazine for heart failure and what? High blood pressure. Yeah. Um, hydralazine is what's called a vasodilator. Vaso is blood vessel. Dilator makes them bigger, dilates them. And heart failure is a condition where sometimes your blood vessels get constricted and clamped down and they get congested. It's sort of, it's sort of like a plumbing problem, actually. Hydralazine opens up those blood vessels, makes them wider, allows the blood to flow, and ironically allows the blood to flow to your kidneys so you can urinate all that extra fluid. That's sort of how it works in heart failure. And because they're also dilating your blood vessels and relaxing those blood vessels, it helps your blood pressure. It generally drops your blood pressure. It is, um, they are very useful for both those conditions. It's not often the very first drug we use for either of those conditions. So you're probably on something else as well if you're on hydralazine, but they are, they are effective. Uh, not the first one we'd use, but you're, if your doctor has you on hydralazine for blood pressure or heart failure, though, that's a good drug. All right, this texture says, I was diagnosed with carotid artery blockage, 60% on the right, 70% on the left. MRA scheduled for tomorrow. What are my options? Right, your carotid arteries are the two, two of the big four blood vessels that go to your brain in your neck. There's two in the back, the vertebral arteries, and two in the front, the carotid arteries. And you can feel it. If you put your index and your middle finger over your left or the right side of the front of your neck, you can feel it. That's that big pulse there. If, since there's only those four big blood vessels to your brain, you really don't want them to be blocked up, do you? Now, if you have stenosis or narrowing of those arteries, the blood supply can get compromised to the brain. I would say that 60 and 40% are not very high numbers. It sounds high, but it's not. Uh, it's something to know about. In other words, keep your blood pressure under control, keep your cholesterol under control, but to fix them, they have to do a procedure that's quite invasive. It can be done by a radiologist, it can be done by a neurologist with an N, or it can be done by a surgeon. There are ways to open up those blood vessels, but let's be honest, you don't want someone messing around with one of the four blood vessels to your brain unless they have to. And so we generally reserve those invasive treatments for when it's quite severe. And so just I would undergo the, or undergo the, proceed, or the testing but then have a really good, honest conversation with your doctors about your next options because uh, they, they do carry some risk, and you only want to do it if it is um, necessary. All right, lots of great questions coming in. This is kind of a scary one. 
Woke up last night, stood up, but couldn't walk forward. Woke husband who walked me into the bathroom. He helped afterwards, but it was much improved, and I think I could have done it alone. Question, whom do I see? A neurologist, an ENT, primary, or can I ignore it if it is just one episode? I agree with you, Rashini. That's a wee bit um, concerning, that, that, that whole story. So my first thing I would do is if you are, if that is happening to you, I would uh, go to the emergency department. If you can't walk suddenly, you could be having a stroke. Now, fortunately, it got better, which a stroke is by definition, your symptoms don't get better. But you could have had a TIA, a mini stroke. You could have had, you could have had just something in non-stroke. You could have had an inner ear problem. So if that occurs, new weakness, new trouble walking, new vo- vocal problems, speech problems, go to an emergency mark. Call 911, actually. But since it got better, now I think you're okay to take a little time and figure out what you had. And I would go to your primary doctor. I would call them and have them do an initial evaluation and see what you have. But I got to repeat, if those symptoms return, don't be waiting around for a clinic visit. You go to an emergency department. All right. If you have questions for Dr. Hilden, 651-989-9226. What are your thoughts on the Exogen Ultrasound Bone Healing System? Sent to me through my orthopedic surgeon for a broken heel. Boy, I'm going to punt because I'm not a, I'm not familiar enough with that to say. So uh, I am, oh, what do I want to say? I don't want to say skeptical. I, I just want to make sure that we're only doing things that are at least have our best science behind them. And it might have really good science behind it. I'm just um, ignorant about that. I, I don't know enough about that. Um, that device, that system. There are ultrasound types of uh, treatment modalities for musculoskeletal conditions, but I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry, I can't answer that with any more detail than that. All right. This person asks, will there be a flu shot available this year? I haven't heard of anything yet. Yeah, there sure will be. In fact, I would get it uh, at the usual time in September or October. Flu season was a non-issue last year for one reason. We, we all had our masks on and nobody was coming within a mile of each other. So nobody got the flu. It just goes, and nobody, even colds were less. Everything was less. It just goes to show that, wow, we pass things on to each other routinely as living in a community of humans. Haven't you uh, said like humans are dirty? <laughs> they are. It's just like I'm <laughs> <Or germy. laughs> Yeah, nobody's getting colds even or anything. It's, it's incredible. But flu is out there. Get your flu shot. You don't want that on top of COVID. Unfortunately, last year we didn't. So... Uh, yes, get your flu shot. All right, I want to remind people to look at Dr. Hilden's Twitter page, at Dr. David Hilden. Uh, give him a follow, but also look at the great pictures he posted from past years at the fair. Some great shots you've been posting all weekend. I love them. Yeah, what do you think? It's got uh, some years past, some of my physician colleagues showed up at the state fair show with my face on a stick. Yeah, that's it, my favorite picture by far. I'm going to save that onto my phone for, for use at a later date. I was doing live radio. I mean, we were. I was trying to answer some question about hearts or lungs or something, and a bunch of people walked up with my face on a stick, and I about choked. If there's a big face I want to see, Dr. Hilden, it's yours. Uh, <laughs> and on a stick, even better. All right, let's get in one more before we have to go to break. Uh, is Kratom, K-R-A-T-O-M, Safe for pain management and energy. Um, I'm. It, this is an herbal supplement that I know relatively little about, but my, I believe that this one is not effective and, frankly, probably not safe. Uh, uh, there are many, many 
herbal supplements that do what they say they're going to do. Most of them are plenty safe. They don't have as much science behind them as some of the other things we do, but that doesn't mean they're not okay. Many things are okay. They've been used for thousands of years, and they might actually help. This isn't among them. I would not take that medication. Everything I know is that it is potentially not safe and really probably doesn't help anyway. All right, kind of related. Let's squeeze this one in. Dr. Hilden, do homeopathic treatments for COVID have any effect? No. All right. Is that well, a good we, answer? We, we got that in <laughs> well in the nick of time there. All right. We, <laughs> we have to take a break. Our, our text line, 651-989-9226. We'll be right back. We are back on Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden and Rashini Rajkumar, we are taking your texts. We've got a lot of questions coming in, so get them in now so we can get to you before we have to say goodbye. 651-989-9226. All right, Dr. Hilden, I do have to follow up because I don't think you've ever given a one-word answer before to that homeopathic treatment question for COVID. Yeah, thanks. I don't usually just give a one-word answer in general, you know, because nothing's so simple in in life. But uh, but that was my first response to the homeopathic things work for COVID, and they don't. Uh, homeopathy is a is a branch of of healing uh, that's relatively controversial. Although it's not particularly controversial in the medical community, it doesn't work. Many um, integrative and alternative uh, treatments do work. In fact, our hospital has an exceptionally good integrative medicine department. It's a large um, academic-based department. There are loads of things that do work that are not in traditional allopathic Western medicine. Many things work. Homeopathy is probably not one of them. And, and as for COVID, it does not work. So for COVID, no. But you know, uh, even for everything else, it's pretty, pretty much on the, on the outskirts of, of modern medical thought. Let's just put it that way. All right, lots of uh, COVID and booster questions. So let's get into some of those. This listener says, if I had problems with J&J, would it be a good idea for my booster to be Pfizer or, or Moderna? It probably wouldn't matter, but it's not recommended. Uh, uh, right now, we're still saying get the shot, the initial one you got. But I think you're going to be hearing a lot of that thought and that guideline evolve over the months. It'll probably be just fine when the boosters are out. And I think we'll have more information when boosters do come out. And so it'll probably be okay for you to get any of them. But right now, we're still recommending get the one you got before. Little news on J&J. They did a study of the antibody levels after vac- after vaccination. And everybody says, well, I should have got the Moderna or the or the Pfizer one because they're better. Well, the Johnson & Johnson antibody levels were outstanding six months after you got the shot. So if you got the J&J, sleep well. You did a good thing. All right. This person says, I'm 62, have an autoimmune condition. I got my last dose of Pfizer vaccine in early March. When can I get my booster shot? My daughter is getting married in October, and I'm unsure what my immunity will be at that time. Right. We are giving now. We are giving booster shots to people who are immunocompromised. We're not even really calling them boosters. A booster is if you got the full series of shots, either the one Johnson & Johnson or the two of the other vaccines. A booster is like a third one, an additional one above the recommended ones. And that's what's going to be coming out eight months after you got your last shot. So if you got it in March, your booster would be out uh, in September or October. However, people who are immunocompromised, it's not even really considered a booster because the first two shots maybe didn't have the robust effect that we wanted if your immune system is compromised. So it's really just 
getting the third shot is sort of just completing the the primary series. So if you have an immune compromised condition, certainly if you have cancer and you are on treatment, or if you are an immunosuppressant for a rheumatological condition or an autoimmune condition. So if you're on any of those drugs that end in the letters A, B, or IB, the ones that are advertised on TV a lot, you probably have an immune compromised condition and you should be getting your third shot and you, you can get it now. You don't even have to wait. You can get it right now. Dr. Hilden, speaking about the immune system, many people have their adenoids or their tonsils removed, you know, in childhood or at other times. That, those are part of your immune system. Should people be concerned about that when it comes to COVID? That's, a, that's a, a, something I haven't really considered much because uh, the COVID does live in the virus enters in your oronasal pharynx, your throat, your mouth, your nose, and that's where your adenoids and tonsils are. And they, they are indeed part of your immune system. So it could be that something we don't yet know that people without their adenoids and tonsils have a little different response to COVID. Like, for instance, they don't fight it in their nose as well. I don't know that to be the case, and I don't know if anyone has studied it. It's fortunate that we're not taking out tonsils and adenoids so much anymore. Geez, they did it for like at the drop of a hat back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And we're leaving them in kids more often now and only taking them out when they're chronically inflamed and infected. So more to come, I guess, something, something to keep, keep, keep your ear out to the, the news about uh, people without tonsils and adenoids. Right now, I wouldn't do anything different. Do, get your vaccines, put your masks on when you're in crowds, and do, do the social distancing thing that we've all come to know and love so much. All right. This person says if we want to take a COVID test after going to the fair, should we do it right when we get home? Or is it better to wait a day or two so that the test is accurate? Three to five days. I would wait three to five. Now, you can do it faster than in the last year. We were telling people to do it five to seven days. Now, if, you're, if you have at all concerned about your exposure to a virus, um, I would do it three to five days. I would encourage people to do it after coming back from the fair. Okay, here's another one sounding kind of chronic. A couple weeks after J&J, my fibromyalgia worsened. A couple weeks later, de- de- Okay, I, I was saying it in my head, and now you're I doing can't. great, Rashini. D- diverticulitis. Say that for us. Diverticulitis. Yeah, thank you. Uh, bout got very bad a couple of weeks later in the hospital with shingles. Should I get a booster when it's available, or do Moderna or Pfizer instead? I would do um, any of the boosters that you get your hands on, um, and I don't think it was probably the vaccine you got that mattered so much, but rather when you get any of the three vaccines, your body has an inflammatory response. It's supposed to. If you don't have any response, then it just didn't do anything. And so most uh, and bodies are different. Some people have, have you know, trigger-happy immune responses. And if you already have things like fibromyalgia or, or diverticulitis, you already have some inflammatory condition, maybe your body's just a little bit more sensitive to things. And so you maybe you reacted to that vaccine. You didn't get COVID. It didn't give you diverticulitis and it didn't give you fibromyalgia, but it maybe you maybe did have a little flare-up. So I would just grin and bear it and get the same, the same shot you got before Uh, because I don't think it's going to be much better with the other two. Just get the same one when the booster comes out. If you have questions for Dr. Hilden today, send us a text, 651-989-9226. This listener says, for the past month, my upper arms have periodic itching during the day, especially at night. It itches so much that I could scratch until it bleeds. My skin has very small marks, almost like a rash. I have not made any changes to diet or soaps. Any suggestions? 
I like that uh, this person is is you know prescient. They're they're already they're already forecasting what my questions are going to be. Do you have new soaps? Do you have new diet? Do you have new linens and your new new bed sheets? If none of the if none of those are true, then it is possible that you have some kind of uh, small little inflammatory skin condition, little folliculitis. You could have some type of allergic thing. They could be uh, just a mild skin sensitivity to heat or or humidity. People even get those. Or it could be something underlying. It could be the manifestation of a nutritional deficiency or maybe your thyroid, maybe your vitamin B12 levels, maybe you're anemic, not enough hemoglobin. So these are easy blood tests. Basically, I would recommend starting with a dermatologist because they are so good at simply looking at your skin and taking you down the right path. Whereas a more general doctor like me, as you can see, I might be doing a little bit of an educated guess. I would go to a dermatologist. Okay, we've got one for you here. Why does it take so long to see a specialist? I have found it takes up to two months. I finally was able to make a virtual appointment with a urologist after a month, which is coming up this week. How does a urologist make an exam via Zoom? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's a How visual do they, I they, really they, don't want to. Yeah, that's one you don't want to think about too much, do you? Uh, the, the, but this is a legitimate point. Why does it take two months to get to a specialist? And I would say that uh, it, it's going to vary. Uh, wherever you go, uh, different healthcare systems. But every healthcare system has one or two of their specialties where they just don't have the the staffing or the the capacity to see a specialist. So, but here's the other thing: you don't always need to. Many things you could see your general doctor first. You'd be shocked at how much they can do without you having to go to a specialist. People think, well, it's in my urinary tract; must see a urologist. Oh no. You know, 90% of things are handled by your primary doctor. But it, let's assume you've already done that and your urologist is, is two months out. Uh, they can do many things by, um, by Zoom, virtually. It is not as good. They can't do exams, obviously. They just can't. But 80% of medical diagnosis it happens um, uh, by the history, by talking. And that's why I can answer questions on the air is because most of the stuff comes from what you tell us. So they might not be able to get all of the diagnosis, but they can maybe get you to the 20-yard line. They can get you to the red zone. They can get you near that touchdown. And maybe it'll be enough for them to make a diagnosis or enough for them to at least schedule your next thing and maybe that next thing won't be two months out. All right, CJ from Champlin has this question. Do you feel comfortable with a chiropractor for neck pain? I've heard warnings, yet no people who are pro-adjustment for necks. I am actually uh, quite comfortable with chiropractic care. I think it's because I work with such outstanding chiropractors. Dr. Rick Printon has been on this show and has done great work. Now, the good chiropractors I know, including Dr. Printon, he's been practicing for decades, and he knows so much about the musculoskeletal system. And so there are times when a chiropractor can be quite helpful for you. I would suggest, though, that if your chiropractor thinks they're going to cure cancer, they go to a different chiropractor. So the difference is, what are they advertising that they can do? Are they, is it sound too good to be true? Because then it might be. But there are some conditions. If your chiropractor says, I think I can help you with this, safely help you with this, that's probably true. But if they're giving you all kinds of outlandish things and they want to see you for 35 visits to treat your toenail fungus, you know, they're, they're just sometimes it, It'll seem too good to be true, and maybe it is. But yes, chiropractors do have a role. There are, they are some skilled professionals, 
And uh, so uh, I think it's, it's reasonable. Okay, we do have to take a break, and then we'll come back for our last segment. Remember, folks, lots of texts are coming in. We will try to get to all of them in our next segment. Send us your questions, 651-989-9226. We're back on Healthy Matters. Rashini Rajkumar, along with your host, Dr. David Hilden. The questions are just pouring in, Doc, so let's try to get through as many as we can. This listener wants to know what you think about acupuncture. For many things, similar to chiropractor, for many things, acupuncture is something I, I recommend to people. This is this is falls into the category of I'm not exactly sure how it works, but I don't know everything. I mean, people have been doing acupuncture for some years, not five, like 5,000. It's been done for a long time. And there is something to it. People do uh, um, report significant improvement in some of their symptoms. Not everybody, but nothing that works for everybody. So I would go to an acupuncturist for things if you're having difficulty with chronic pain, for migraines, for menstrual cramps, for a, there's just a whole host of things that it might help for. It's not going to help if your leg is snapped in two. You need a surgeon, you know, for but it, for some kinds of conditions it's helpful. So we have outstanding acupuncturists at Hennepin Healthcare. If you need one, go to hennepinhealthcare.org and look up acupuncture and there's only one C in the first syllable there. Uh, uh, and you can find one and they're really good. Uh, it, it, it is one of those things that if they tell you it's going to cure everything under the sun, that's probably an exaggeration. I don't tell people that anything I do cures everything. So, But find somebody who is uh, that you relate to, that, that you have a good rapport with, and they may be able to help you out. Acupuncture does work for many people. Is there any proof that magnets placed on the body increase circulation or provide any other health benefits? No, there isn't. Now, again, uh, the, uh, it, I don't know everything about this, but there is a precious little, like, no evidence that that, uh, that works. But, but, you know, again, maybe, maybe some research needs to be done and there's something I don't know, but I don't recommend that. This person says, I am autoimmune. When can I get the booster shot? My doctor said it isn't available. It's, it is if you have an autoimmune or an auto, uh, comp if you're immunocompromised, your immune system isn't up to snuff, if you will. Uh, we have been starting those shots this week. You can get it now if you have an auto, uh, 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 an immune compromised condition. Okay. Lots of interesting questions coming in. This listener says, right arm feeling tingly and numb off and on for two months, heading to physical therapy, and instead of cortisone shots, recommended dry needling to the muscles and the tight knots, almost immediately relieved after a session. Never heard of it before, but it works. Do you want to comment on that? Right. Um, we sometimes do uh, anti-inflammatory injections, but sometimes you don't need that. There are some people who have tried these needling techniques, and this is something well outside my area of expertise. It appears to be safe, and if it works for you, who am I to judge, you know, if it's working? Uh, sometimes you don't need something injected into you. It's similar to acupuncture. They don't inject anything into, into you um, when they do acupuncture. And if, it, if you have a chronic musculoskeletal condition, it might be something you, that you can ask about. What I do recommend for people, if you have a numbness or tingling or weakness in your arm, these can be signs of something quite serious. So if you have a neurological condition or a vascular condition, in other words, your blood vessels or the nerves to your arm aren't working, those can be signs of something more serious. Um, uh, that can be strokes. That can be pinched nerves in your neck. 
uh, that can be any number of things that are a little bit more serious. So before you do something like needling, I would make sure that you uh, have diagnosed what the problem is. If it is uh, what, something more serious, I would see a neurologist or your, start at least with your primary doctor uh, and make sure that you've ruled out some of those other big bad things. And if it's none of those things and you're still having trouble, then some of these other things might be helpful for you. All right. This person says, I've had both shots months ago. I've also had bypass surgery 20 years ago. Been feeling fine. I'm wondering if I should be considered for the urgent group for the booster. I don't think so. If you had bypass surgery 20 years ago, you're pretty much like the rest of us now. You don't have an immune-compromised condition. Uh, you are at higher risk if you get COVID. But but if you're, if you're cabbage surgery, cabbage stands for coronary artery bypass. Um, we call it cabbage. If your bypass surgery was 20 years ago and you've been doing fine, you're probably not at much higher risk than any of the rest of us. So are you in the urgent group? No. But when a booster shot becomes available to the general population, I would get it. Okay. This person says, are you aware of a test that provides a quantified result of antibodies and compares that to ideal protection? Also, what is your perspective on the level of antibodies present in a person who had a confirmed case of COVID and one dose of the Pfizer vaccine? Yeah, the antibody levels are do rise. It is one measure of the effectiveness of vaccines, and they do rise. They must, otherwise the vaccine didn't work. But they are expected to wane or decline over time. Antibodies are not considered an effective measure of your immunity, however. It is, and the tests that are available are not regulated and they're not standard enough. And some of them weren't even measuring the right antibody. You know, there's other coronaviruses. It's not just this one. There's already four others that cause the common cold. And so those tests are not reliable. Now, if you have no antibodies, that's not good. It's not as good as having some antibodies, but the FDA does not currently recommend antibody testing as a way to uh, measure your clinical safety because what's important is are you at risk of getting severely ill? And if it was simply a number on an antibody test, well, wouldn't that be nice? But it's not that simple. Your immune system is more than antibodies. It's, it's your white blood cells your T cells, your memory cells, the cells that live in your body for all eternity to help uh, remember prior infections. So antibodies alone are important. And maybe in the future, that's what we'll be using. But right now, it's not an adequate measure of your immunity. All right, here's a real quick question. What's the best cure for toenail fungus? Removing the toenail. I'm serious. That'll get rid of it. And it sounds horrible, but that's that, that will get rid of it. Beyond that, there are some pills you can take that are effective in about half of the people. Your primary doctor can give you some of those medications. The topical ones don't work hardly at all. Wow. All right, Doc, lots of great questions today. We'll be back next Sunday, as people know. During the week, you can always drop us a line on Twitter, at drdavidhilden or at Rashini R. And, of course, you can always go to Hennepin Healthcare's website or follow it on Twitter at HennepinHC for lots of valuable information. Absolutely. I want everybody to listen in next week. We're going to have an important show next week. And I want to tell people that we're going to be doing some transitions in the show. And it, it pains me to say it, but you and I aren't going to be sidekicks anymore after next week. It's your last show with us next week, Rashini. Tell us about what's going on. It is going to be my last show. I am kind of giving up my Sundays on uh, WCCO Radio. I'm, 
I am sunsetting my show, which many people know is 9 a.m., Real Talk with Rashini. And in doing so, I have to say goodbye to my duties on this show and uh, the financial show after this show. So next Sunday will be my last day co-hosting with Dr. Hilden on this show. We have some special things planned, so we hope you join us at 7 a.m. Always your questions are welcome. Uh, Text, tweet us during the week, drop Dr. Hilden a line, and we'll be back together. Dr. Hilden, it's been such a joy for now going on 11 months we've been co-hosts of this show. Yeah, it's been simply a joy, and you and I have laughed together a lot. We've tried to provide some great information to people, and it has been just absolute joy working with you, Rashini. And so it's such a bittersweet announcement. But please, everybody, tune in next week. We're going to talk more about that, about the partnership that Rashini and I have had and uh, what's next for the show. Make it a great week, and we'll also have more fun music from Devin next week, too.